2: Hello and welcome to the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thank you so much for being here. This is episode 93 of this show with Australian acting powerhouse, Simon Gleeson. You can follow him on Twitter at Simon underscore Gleeson. I'll tell you a little bit more about him uh, in just a moment. Thank you so much for being here. Do subscribe to the show if you want it to magically appear in your phone every single week. You can find me in SoundCloud, iTunes, or Oshiginsburg.com or the podcast app of your 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 choice thanks heaps to everybody that emailed this week you can always write to me send us your email at gmail.com and um just subscribe to the mail out you can sign up for that on my look at me burping that's just really you know common um you can sign up for uh, my email uh newsletter i just put it out every week and you know i won't spam you i'll just tell you about the show and tell you who's on the show uh thank you so much to all the feedback after last week's episode with um grant trebelcoat that was uh really really cool uh I would ask this week, just the favor, just tell someone that you haven't told yet about this show. Just that'd be ace. Just say, hey, here's a show you might dig it. Um, thank you though for all the great feedback about last week's episode. We certainly uh, um, covered some ground that a lot of people related with and a lot of people resonated with. And um, it's funny after that big long conversation, I won't uh, I won't go into details. But my week has been kind of intense. Um, uh, All all I'll say is that whatever is bothering you, whatever it is that's bothering you right now, please find a way to talk about it with someone, find a way to talk about it with someone, take some action, do something about it, take control of the situation because leaving things and hoping that they'll just get better by themselves is like seeing a small tiny leak in your canoe, but just keeping on paddling, just pretending that eventually you won't get swamped and you know fall into the lake (laughs) because it'll happen. (laughs) It's an inevitability. So talk to someone, please, this week, talk to someone, take action, do something about it, please, because when it gets to that crisis point, you might not be able to think as straight as you would like. That's all I'll say about it. I hope uh, whatever you're doing is good. If you live in Australia, you'll have seen by now that The Bachelor is coming full force out of your television in only a matter of days. And uh, I look forward very much to your thoughts on that and look forward to very much to joining you on social media in the evenings when it's on, because that's always a a lot of fun. So um, yeah, I'll tell you more about that as we get closer. Let me tell you about my guest this week, Simon Gleason. Simon Gleason is an Australian musical theatre powerhouse. He really is. He's currently just dominating the uh, Australian production of Les Miserables. (laughs) I can't even say it. He's currently dominating the production uh, in Australia at the moment of Les Miserables. As Jean Valjean, which is a role that he imagined himself playing when he was twelve years old. To see this guy perform, it's a it's a transcendent experience. It's ones that you cannot possibly comprehend unless you're in the room, in the theater, watching him. Is just remarkable. I I have to thank very much Charlie Clawson for helping hook up this chat. Uh, The two of them went to high school together. And when I just gushed to Charlie about, oh my God, I went and saw Lee Miserable last night and it was incredibly, incredible. he goes, oh yeah, I I went to school with Simon Gleason. Do you want to talk to him? And it went from there. So I've got to thank uh, Charlie for that. And even if you don't know anything about musical theater, that's okay. Because you're about to hear the story of a man who worked hard and was given his childhood dream exactly as he imagined it. Ponder that for a moment. What would, you, what would happen to you if you were given your childhood dream? I want to be a fireman, an astronaut, a software designer, play for the Wallabies, play for the All Blacks, you know, whatever. And it happened exactly as you thought of it. As he says in this conversation, and I love it, he drops this one, it's okay to take your dream seriously. It's pretty cool. Simon has a voice that is just remarkable. And this week, actually, it's quite a nice coincidence, actually. He's released his debut album. It's called Elements, and you can get it in iTunes. Just search um, Elements uh, in iTunes, and uh, and you'll find Simon Gleeson is is there. If you do like what you hear today, let him know on Twitter. He's at Simon underscore Gleeson. Um, buy his album, and if you can, go and see Lee Is while it's in Australia. Hell, if you're in a if you're in the US, fly down to Australia and check it out. As you'll hear, Sir Cameron McIntosh himself. Uh, I'll let Simon tell you. But Sir Cameron Mackintosh himself, the Steven Spielberg of musical theater, he writes the cast. He reckons it's one of the best that's ever done the show, if not the best. So it's pretty awesome. Spoiler alert, by the way, if you've uh, not ever heard of Les Miserables or you've never seen the show or never seen the film or never read the book, we're going to spoil the ending for you. So if you don't want to know what the ending is, you may want to listen to another episode because we're going to talk about it today. All right, done here we go. Uh, this was recorded on a chilly afternoon in Bronte beach in Sydney. And it was a lovely avo with the, Hey, look, he walks into the room and he's got this kind of soft, but powerful energy. You just, you know that he's, he's a very kind energy, a very lovely energy, but you know that there's a, there's a velvet covered hammer inside him that can just come out and just explode with emotion. And he has that, power to turn it on and turn it off and it was remarkable to sit across and speak with him for so long and I'm really grateful and I hope you enjoy this wonderful conversation over a cup of tea with mr. Simon Gleason all right so I'm, I'm rolling welcome how are you doing man hi <laughs> good good well thanks for coming to my house yeah Yeah. that's that's, that's Osher, it's great wow you know I kind of I kind of moved in here um, I uh my, my girlfriend and her daughter lived here and they very kindly allowed me to come and stay.
3: Uh-huh. Yeah. Why not with that view?
2: Well, it's, it's, quite, it's quite nice here. It's, I was always a Bondi guy and then came here, it was like, oh, it's the same but without the traffic. Yeah.
3: It's brilliant. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know Sydney very well. I lived in Maroubra for a while and uh, I loved I still dream of that place. At <laughs> had a view like this. It was, it was actually the, the apartment. And then the road and then the water. Wow. And it was just, I still dream of that.
2: Uh, but you're not from here, you're, you're staying here. Well, how's it work when you're on tour with a, a big show like this? Do they put you up in a house or how's it work?
3: Usually they uh, put you up in, a, in, in one of those horrible service departments. I was in one before I came here. There you go. It's, it's the worst. Yeah, it's the worst. It's
2: yeah. not the worst.
3: Well, it's not the worst. It's people think, people the worst. think, oh,
2: housekeeping every day. Yeah. And then you go, I don't want strange people in my house every day. No, and it's not
3: housekeeping; it's apartment keeping. It's very different. And yeah. so uh, we're in this a uh, great terrace down in uh, in Newtown, which I I really love. So we're having a really good time there.
2: So the family gets to come with you. Yeah, I wouldn't do it without them. Yeah. That's that's quite a that's a that's a big gig, you know, to to move everyone around with you.
3: It's big for my wife. I think more than anything, she takes probably the biggest hit, but. We're used to it. We travel well together, and the kids are getting to that age where they think, "Jeez, it's a bit more." I'm leaving more than I used to leave at home with friends.
2: Oh, school age? They go to school. My daughter's eight, so yeah. Wow,
3: but she's not because we're homeschooling her.
2: Oh, yeah. Is that tricky? Because in LA, everyone bloody does it. Do they? Yeah, yeah. Is it tricky here in Australia? It's not
3: tricky in that it's not all the information sent to you, and Uh and um, you always have that. I don't know but i always whenever you're starting a project and you've got the information you sit there going here we go this is going to be amazing and then when the reality kicks in you think oh, this not actually that amazing it's really but uh she's i i feel for teachers i always think the the students that need the most help and the students who are geniuses they gen, generally do pretty well at school cuz they get Either they don't need help because I'm all over this or I don't understand anything, so I'm going to spend a lot of time on you. And it's all the kids in the middle who kind of get, well, not left out, but they're, they're, they're kind of just getting by. And So <clears throat> uh, with Molly, it's great to give her that one-on-one attention,
2: And but there's a whole lot of other things to school, social or that kind of thing. Well, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that. My, my mates have started to have kids and thinking a lot about school, my school experience, what. I actually learned at school. None of it was academic. It was all socialising stuff. It was all how do I talk to other people?
3: Yeah. How do I be think...
2: around other people? How do I have disagreements with strangers? All that kind of stuff that's really important when you get out into society.
3: That's true. I, mean, I went to boarding school and, and, I, and I loved it. I just, it's some of the best four years of my life. I just loved it. Yeah. But it did teach me how do I get on, you know, get on, especially with men, obviously. Yeah. And how do I, uh, you know, problem solve and, <laughs> you know, arguments and all that. Um, but I can't remember. I remember El Nino effect, <laughs> something to do with columns, <laughs> um, and obviously that didn't sink in too well. But like the different types of columns,
1: yeah,
3: that's that's almost that's it? it. Yeah, and and uh, and some uh, and some Macbeth, that's about it. Which is terrifying because my I think my parents you know would have spent a lot of money to educate me, and that's horrible.
2: Well, my parents too, mate. My, my parents too, but. The education system, I think that I, I'm a little older than you, but the education system that, that we grew up in, I think was very different to what it is now and what now will not represent, re, not resemble at all what your your youngest will go through in high school, I don't think. It'll be so much more bespoke by the time they get there. School class programs will be so much more tailored, I think. I think
3: that's true. And I also think technology is a great uh, tool for that mm. where you, there's less and less I'm going to teach you this and more Why? Because it's on the test. Yeah, that's right. Less and less of that and more. You will find the answers to that. Now go and find them. And I think that's far more.
2: That's yeah, that really, that's really that, that's really it. But so Victoria is. You grew up down there, right?
3: I uh, know. I actually New South Wales. I grew up. You really? Yeah. And what were you doing down in Victoria? Uh, that was where I was boarding school. So um, how did that work? Why? Oh, because I grew up in this place called the Rock. It's about I don't know three hundred people, whatever. It's about forty five minutes out of Wagga Wagga, and. Um, and it didn't. I think it had a high. I had a school, but mum and dad said, "Right, you, you know, off you go." What did you? What did your folks do out there? Um, my dad, kind of everything. Um, my mother uh, is a nurse. Was a nurse. Is a nurse. And in fact, they've just started. They rang me the other day and said, um, "I actually asked them to come to opening night in Sydney." I said, "I've got two tickets for opening nights tomorrow. Yeah, it's up to you." I've got. To, they just landed in my lap. Would you like them? Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, we'll come up. But we want to talk to you about something. We're moving to Bathurst and we're going to run a funeral home there. What are you talking about? But they're doing that and, and so they've just, you know, they're into their second week of doing it.
2: Right. What do you remember about growing up in a town of 300 people? Loved it.
3: I loved it. I, I didn't really know many people there because I wasn't, yeah, I, I just, I love that space. When I go through that Riverina area, it just feels like home to me. Yeah. Um, I've got no ties to that anymore. Mum and Dad don't live, haven't lived there for years. Um, but I love that area. Uh, I really, I feel really fortunate that I didn't grow up in, in a major city
2: and, for some Because I remember years ago we used to tour with Channel V, it's a music television mm-hmm. channel, and we would go out to regional areas and do shows in Wagga and... Armadale and, you know, way out, far away place, Broken Hill. Oh, yeah. And some of the crew all very hip, kind of got flower tattoos on my forearms, sure, kind sure. of inner city, Sydney yeah. folks. They go like, oh, I can't, who would ever want to live out here? And I would, you know, talk to some of the locals who are my age and I'd say, what's it like living out here? They'd say, mate, it's the best. I went to Sydney once, too many people, couldn't, couldn't handle it. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of folks in the city don't quite understand that, that people who live out there sometimes are like, no, it's actually like I can think there's a... A, an elitist mentality sometimes about between city and country in this in Australia that people think oh if you're out in the city out in the country you might not be doing well because mm. doing well means moving to the city but these folks were there's That's a lot of so money happy there, yeah.
3: there's also <laughs> a lot of money around there it's well just, yeah it's not just about lifestyle which is generally quite nice in the country it's a uh, I I don't think I I mean I, I'm not sure whether I could do it now live out live out too far mm. um, I mean I couldn't with work anyway but um, uh, I certainly and there's also, I mean, unfortunately there's there's rampant drug problems everywhere, but certainly in a lot of regional centres it's um uh, it's taken hold and it's it's terrifying.
2: Well, there was always drug problems, but it was just called alcohol. That's right. Yeah, or, <laughs> yeah, or dope or whatever. Yeah. And it just it's just gone up a gear now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's my car yeah. gone up a gear. See what you did yeah, there. No, man. No, I feel like that. <laughs> That's the headline. Go gone up again. Yeah. <laughs> the Daily Mail special. Yeah, yeah. The Daily Mail special. <laughs> so what? Well, but so three hundred people, and then you go to a boarding school, which was probably three hundred people in two oh, grades. Without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah what so was good. that like? Was it overwhelming?
3: Um, uh, it was it was terrifying. I'll never forget my first night. I was I was lying down, and, and I didn't know anyone there. Dorm?
2: And, what? Six guys to a room?
3: No, it was huge. There it would have been in year nine there was. Something like 20 of us in a room. It was huge, yeah. It was proper Dickensian, you know. Uh, and I heard this ping, ow, what the hell's going on? And someone was throwing batteries, double A batteries into the fan. And so it was like Russian roulette. You throw them into the fan, they'd ping off, but they could go anywhere. So you did ping, ping. And that was the first night I went, what am I doing? Yeah, this is. Uh, this is just, it's going to be Lord of the Flies. And within <laughs> a week I just, I loved it, absolutely loved it. What changed within the week? Ah, mates. Yeah. And you just realise, hang on, there's an opportunity here to spend four years living with your mates who, um, you know, became brothers and although we don't have a lot to do with each other now, when we ever, we catch up, we had our 20th reunion last year, It was no time. In, it was just, I, I think I laughed for hours from the moment I walked in there, it's just. Uh,
2: oh, that's great to hear. Yeah,
3: and it's not for everyone, and I don't begrudge anyone who doesn't like it. It's just, yeah. it's just that thing.
2: But I loved it. Was it a sporty school? Yeah, very. Which I loved. Yeah. Which kind yeah. of sports? AFL. AFL. That's yeah. Australian football, mm-hmm. right? So I went to I went to a rugby school. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't know much about rugby. I
3: right. I don't. Well, yeah. I, I and I always think league. Oh, yeah. And then I saw the the um. State of Origin, the first game last year. Well, I must admit, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. I went, yeah. This is awesome. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't get into it.
2: I watched it last night. There's a second State of Origin. We're recording this tonight after the mm-hmm. second State of Origin this year, which is a humongous – it's like, I, I don't know, like East Coast League versus West Coast League in America when they have the two baseball yes, conferences yeah. going yeah. up against each other. It's basically like that it's grubby, unsportsmanlike, eye-gouging – Kind of kneeing guys in the face without the ball down on the ground, uh-huh. like really horrible kind. Parents of. It's bigger than the grand in- final, isn't it? <coughs> yeah, yeah, I'd imagine so. I sang the
3: anthem at the grand final last year.
2: Wow, the NRL grand final, correct? What's that like? Terrifying, because the only time worse, there was eighty thousand people
3: there or whatever,
2: as an Olympic stadium in Sydney. That's right. Yeah,
3: um, and uh, we flew up, and uh, anyway, I was there in the middle, of the, and no one's with you. So you're by yourself in the middle of the stadium. Then the teams come out, great, and I think the Bulldogs took forever to come out. Bulldogs, yeah, yeah. They took forever to come out and they actually got fined, I found. But I'm sitting there going, can you guys come out because I've got a plane to catch and I've <laughs> got to catch that plane. Um, and they came out, great, and all I can hear in my in, in, in ear is um, going, Pull. In, um, in, oh, oh, my God, this is going to be one of those classic, YouTube embarrassing moments where someone tries to sing the anthem and, it, and, it's, and it's horrific. Um, and there was no-one around. I didn't know when to start. I just saw the 40,000 people who happened to be sitting in front of me stand up and I thought, well, I guess it's now, but I don't know what I'm going to hear. And, uh, and of course, the slapback, the delay is huge on those grounds. And it's really just it's just something you don't want to screw up. It's a minute 20 of your life of some of the easiest thing to sing I mean, you can shave a monkey and he can sing the national anthem in in a, in a reasonable key. That's what it's written for, um, as opposed to, say, Les Mis, which is just mm-hmm. diabolic. But yet the pressure is far worse. Um, uh, and the only other worst time I've done the anthem is for the uh, Australian of the Year. It was, it was only, there weren't that many people in the room,
2: but it was two verses. Oh, yeah, the, other the were Boundless Planes the to Share, the ones. one that we all like to forget about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and people the, like to forget that part. The ironic verse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for those who've come across <laughs> the seas with Boundless Planes to yeah, Share. Please it's, come in. Yeah. yeah, come on in. Yeah. Boundless Planes, Share.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's written. Yeah. Uh,
3: and they had, uh, I thought, oh, gee, you don't want to screw it up because- People at the Australian of the Year,
2: they'll know the words. Oh, yeah. They'll know all six verses. <laughs> uh, there's six. There's six verses. It? Oh, it goes forever. The third one, the third verse is just joking. They're around <laughs> <laughs> If you've made it this far. Yeah, exactly. The second verse is bullshit, isn't it?
3: Isn't it? And they had it, they had it um, on a projector behind me, the verse. I thought, oh, okay. So I could see it in mirror vision. Through the glass doors, so I'm trying to read in mirror vision the words to the second <laughs> verse as I'm singing it, and they could all ah, oh, it's just awful. But uh, so far, it's been it's been fine. Well, my, good. my anthem, uh, you know, and it has been quite a few the Australian Open, you know, I did the uh, final for that as well, and they're just ter- It's just terrifying.
2: I don't know why it's just terrifying. As far as anthems go, ours. Is pretty good. I th- I'd say so. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's no Whitney Houston at Super Bowl number twenty with the F fifteen flyover. Sure,
3: sure. <laughs> but you can go too far. You yeah. can do try and do too much. Yeah. And I, I'm of I'm of the uh, of the thought that just just sing the notes and and give it yeah. a bit of power chest. <laughs> <laughs> And that's that'll probably. I be wish enough. you
2: could see what Simon just did. The, the nipples went out, the <laughs> chin went up into the side, Mills and Boone, just just yep. a little Mills and Boone to the left, straight up to the balcony, the top balcony, power chesting.
3: And that'll that's pretty much <laughs> that's it. That's pretty much all you need. But if you try and do too many licks and tricks and stuff here, yeah, you, you can get yourself into all kinds of
2: trouble. So at school, was it like you're playing AFL? That's just it. You're mm. that's we don't okay, care. Yeah. You're in the seventh team, you're just you and no, the no, we boys? had thank you, but we had our borders. We were a very good football
3: team, still are. Xavier's a very mm-hmm. strong football team, and there's a lot of. Fun. Did you have
2: like Borders versus Day Boys? Yes. Oh.
3: We had our own Borders team. Like, that's like a state of origin in itself? It was brutal. Well, we, we never played. We never played. Uh, we were like the seconds or thirds of. So we played other schools, okay. you know. Um, so we never really played our own, uh, our own school. Um,
2: but yeah, it was hard. It was great. I loved it. I wish I could still play. Loved it. So when. How old were you when, when you first stood on stage and went? Oh, this this is interesting. Uh, I was a kid, and I can't even remember how this
3: happened. But I I was Oliver in Oliver in Warrigal. We were living in Traugan at the time, and uh, I just I didn't go. Oh yeah, I just I thought yeah, yeah. it just felt it felt completely natural. It mm-hmm. felt something. I, I think I I mean I I I, I, ha- I got a singing lesson for the first time when I was eighteen when I, I went to drama school. And uh, I did. I tried to get out of nearly all of them uh, at drama school. I just didn't really enjoy them, and and I haven't had one since. So um, it's just something that always felt quite. No, I wish I had it now, but um, always felt quite natural. It felt yeah. There was a, there was something that happened in our life uh, when we were in London that was incredibly difficult for my wife and I. And people said, "Oh, why you why you come back to work so soon?" And I said, "Because this is." the one place I feel like I'm in control. It's the place where I go, I, yeah, I, I feel like I belong here and I'm in, I'm in control of my destiny here.
2: Uh-huh.
3: Um, so it actually felt like a place that's calming, even though it's terrifying.
2: It is for most people. It is the, the scariest thing. As me, Seinfeld famously said, <laughs> people are more afraid to be eaten by a shark. People are more afraid to be uh, talking in front of strangers or performing in front of strangers than they are to be eaten by a shark.
3: It's amazing, isn't no? Yeah. There, people uh,
2: would rather
3: be in the coffin than saying the eulogy. Yeah, that's a lie. They fear death. I mean, it, it's insane. Yeah. But um, for you it was
2: just, oh, peace?
3: No, it's terrifying but I've, I don't, I can't explain it. I just feel
2: like, I don't know. So after Oliver, did you chase it down? Did another one come to you? or
3: I didn't even chase Oliver down. No, I, uh, no, then I don't think I did anything until school. Um, and so I used, uh, when I went to um, this boarding school, I, I did uh, I, I did it there as well. Yeah. I didn't study it as a, it was offered, but I didn't study it in my later years. Uh-huh. But, but yeah, I did it.
2: Was there resentment from, like I'm guessing you got parts in the musicals. Yeah. Was there resentment from the boys that did study that you were getting those parts?
3: No, 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 That's not cool. at all. Um, and nor was there any kind of backlash from my, you know, my mates who were very, not interested, um, they all came, they all, yeah. you know, loved that That that's what I did. There was never any kind of, uh, well, you're just a, that's just a little bit sissy or whatever. Right. None of that.
2: Was no. a. now I know I went to uh, an all boys school mm-hmm. and too, yeah. high school musical was two great things. You could get up on stage and show off in front of people and you could talk to girls. Chicks. It was all about, <laughs> that's what it was about. In the dark, in the wings, yeah. backstage.
3: yeah. Shh, quiet, come back here, and you kind of thought, You idiots, you have no idea what this is about.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah. And if you happen to be able to deliver a sustained note on pitch, then at that age, girls were like, That's amazing. It's I made this mixtape for you, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll sing some of it for you if you want. <laughs> it was, uh, it was win win. Um, yeah, it, it, it was, you're right, that's mm. and anyone who goes back to that time and did high school productions, no, they will know exactly what we're talking about right now. Yeah. And all the guys who went, I'm not doing that, You missed out.
2: I got to hang out with the All Hallows Girls for five hours, two night, two afternoons a week for three months.
3: Yeah, and it's very tactile. And well, oh. we've got, ooh, well, well, let's do this exercise that is about, it's like, you know, as opposed to, well, you stand on that side of the room and I say, yeah. we're in this together. You're
2: 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds, and everybody squished together. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Be cool, be cool. <laughs> I was uh, I was actually Bill Sykes in Ah, uh, you in did Old, your uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was I was Bill Sykes, and I was Mister oh, in Pride and Prejudice. I oh, you on your own there. Mister, no, I wasn't Mister Darcy. I was the other one. I was a really stuck-up one. Oh. Uh, I can't remember, but Bridie Barry was my uh, my. Uh, there you go. Yeah, she was well, we had a very strong year. We had
3: uh, I did all mine with Matt Newton. And uh, another guy called Tony Harkin and Charlie Clawson, who you had a chat to, um, that we were all did them all together.
2: What productions?
3: Uh, we we did our Guys and Dolls. We did Man of the Mancha Ooh. We did Les Miserables. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we had a, quite a strong, uh, you know, group that, that went through.
2: But that wasn't the first time that you heard Les Miserables, was
3: it? No. Gee, no. I used
2: to put it on.
3: I used to wait for my parents to go and I'd put it on.
2: They had the soundtrack?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And my my mum used to, you know, we used to listen to it on trips and my mum's tone deaf and my dad's got a great voice and my sister's an actress and she can sing and we would all sing and then mum would join and we'd all stop. <laughs> just to hear it, it was awful. Um, uh, but uh, no, I used to love it. And I used to put it on and I used to sing it and it, and it used just to be just for me. It was not about stardom or fame or what it was just for me it was something I did
2: for me yeah did you picture being on stage at that time yeah? sure yeah. I on I, I I pictured I dreamt about doing
3: what I'm doing every night right now and that exactly thing and that's that's a double-edged sword okay so I'm going to give you the the thing that you most dreamed about when you were... I'm going to give you the exact thing. That's It's actually quite a, a thing to get your head around, giving your boyhood self the one thing they most dreamed about. Um, so it's great. And then you think, oh, shit. And then you think, oh, God, well, then what do I do next? And then you think, well,
2: yeah. oh, there's, it's, a, it's a real mixed bag. Had you seen... Any productions? Did you know what you were visualizing, or did no. you... all no. right? So you did you have an idea of what the set might look like? No, nothing. No, no. So no. you're creating this entire no. production in your head. Yeah, it was just creating
3: the feel of standing there. I don't. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um. It was yeah. It was great. And then I saw the production and loved it. And uh, I don't see a lot of musicals, I've got to say, but um,
2: I, I remember just loving that. Just loving it. So when you when you used to sit at home singing. 'Cause it's I mean, for a kid, we took uh, my girlfriend's daughter the other night, she's eleven, and I'm there with her going, Oh, there's a lot of death and hookahs. Uh so, sure. you know, I hope that's yeah, you know yeah, but it's not a seven, complete moral is it? bankruptcy <laughs> of, of females going on. Like there's a, it's it's pretty emotional stuff for a for a young man to deal with. Did you understand the emotions that were going on? Uh, not really. I, I understood that something but that's kind of what you get off on that big things
3: are happening and we're mm. discussing big things whilst singing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, I, I took, uh, my daughter came to see the first half and I was worried about the same things. Just going, But I guess a lot of things wash over
2: your mm. head, you. Know, yeah. And I think it would be different because she'd
3: kind of lock onto a lot more than my
2: daughter. But, right. Yeah. So when you when you heard this and did that kind of get the idea of like, maybe I could, I could do this? Who was the first person that said? You know what, Simon, you got, you got something new?
3: The first person was um, a guy called Paul Kildaya who is a conductor uh, around the world and who was my boarding master at the time. And then he left uh, and did his doctorate at, at Oxford and very bright guy and, and I actually caught up with him yesterday. And we've remained really close mates, but he was the first time he said, you know what, you should probably take this seriously. Um, and, and that was that. Yeah. Isn't
2: it interesting that we only need to be we don't even have to be given something. All we need to be given is permission to it's okay that you're good at this. It's okay that you can do this well.
3: It's okay to take to take your dream seriously. It's the permission to to go because when you dream as a kid, because you dream, I, I would like to be Batman. Or I would like, and once you jump off the roof for the first time, you think, "My oh, shit, that's a terrible idea." <laughs> um, but uh, I, I dream for whatever it is to you, and it only takes one person to go, "Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, absolutely," and if, especially if they're in, in a position of some authority, y- you think, oh, "That's that's amazing." Um, yeah.
2: What changed after he said that to you? Uh, I,
3: I guess it was it was actually me thinking. All right, well, well. What are the paths to that? Uh, and I, I, remember Matt. Um, I remember I was I was helping out shearing um, back home, and and Matt Newton called me and said, "All right, so I've signed your papers to Whopper to to um, you know, the WA Academy, whatever performing arts. I've signed your papers. I've paid the money. Um, all you have to do, I forged your signature. All you have to do is be at the audition in Melbourne." On this particular date, with a song and a monologue, and do your thing. Um, and uh, and that was how Going to Whopper came about.
2: You had no idea that he'd done this. No,
3: no, no. He just rang me and said, "You need to go. You should go." And 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 I've done it for you. And so make sure you don't don't screw it up. And so well, all right.
2: Just a, a quick bit of background for folks who listen overseas. Matt Newton is the son of, I guess he's like Australia's Regis Philbin. He's been on yeah. television since television was invented. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't worry about it. The f- phones, it's you. It's right. Phones oh, no. No, Okay. Well, don't get all <coughs> It's you. It's, you. it's <laughs> you, you, though. It's not me. Mate, I've just come from set. It's a, It's still standard procedure <laughs> that if your phone rings or bings on set, it's a, it's a, it, it's a slab. Yeah. Yeah. It's a slab right. of import. <laughs> I oh, it's got a, it's yeah, got a yeah. sub clause. Import, import. you can't. And get I want it. your local. No, none of this VB. None of this, none of this visitors' beer. Not even Crownies.
1: It's got to
2: be imports. <laughs> Coopers. They'll, they'll take Coopers Pale. Oh, that's something you know, I've had to do that once. Uh, but yeah, so Matthew Newton is the the son of two, basically Patty as well, son of two enormous uh, entertainment personalities in Australia, and so it would have been no secret who his dad was when you were at school. No. I'm sure he wouldn't have made a massive deal of it, but everyone would have known. He certainly didn't make a deal of it. Yeah, that's that's his dad. So for someone like that to say, uh, you you have to do this.
3: Yeah, it was more that uh, it it certainly wasn't that. Matt and I were contemporaries. We used to, you know, we would sit around and we would share these dreams together. It wasn't, I mean, he was was only 14 or 15 when, well, he was 14 when we met. And, And so he was also going, maybe one day, I could do this. It was it what it is what uh, would bind us, if that makes yeah. sense. That we had similar dreams, slightly you know on different paths, but similar desires to one day maybe. Gee, if only. God, I wonder what it would be like. I Wonder if someone would ever give me the chance. Yeah, such and such, and he never thought I'll just walk into this. Um, he, that wasn't part of it at all. Did he audition as well? He auditioned for Whopper, yep, and NIDA, and and got accepted to both, and went to NIDA, same
2: year. Yep. Wow. Mm. And did he? Did you talk about going to Whopper at all? Did you? No. Nah. Were you thinking about university? Um, I, my mother,
3: did the classic. You should probably do something, you know. And I had a pretty good grades, so I said, "Look, I really don't want to." And she said, "Well, I think you should." And I went, "Okay, I see how this conversation's going." So I did a list of all the things I could get into. And I, and this is in front of her. And I closed my eyes, and I had a pencil, and I ran it up and down this list, and then I stopped it randomly at business banking and finance, and I um, applied that day and went there. You go, just so it was so that it was such a classic seventeen-year-old thing to do. So like, well, I don't care. I'm just going to do this. You sure? Then you can take this then. And then so I went to business banking and finance for a year, and then um, and then this happened.
2: And then Matt said, "Yeah, you you got to do this. I said,
3: oh, this isn't for me. He said, right, okay. Oh, yeah.
2: Was it fairly evident, fairly quickly?
3: Yeah. I mean, it, I, I was fine. I enjoyed learning and, and all that. And, and I, I'm sure I would have made a lot of money had I gone down that path.
2: Um, but... <laughs> yeah. Look, I know what you're talking about. I hang out with banker mates. So I'm like, oh, no, 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 it's cool. We'll, get, we'll take the plane. Uh, oh, shoot, we better get you to the airport. When's the plane leave? When I want it to. Oh, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the wrong gig.
3: Yeah, you just think, uh, okay. Uh, but, um, yeah, it was certainly not for me. I knew yeah. Straight away. Because a
2: lot of I I've, I'm, dry dropped out of university and it can be overwhelming for someone to consider even. That, you know, I, I got in the feeling of letting down your parents, letting down your friends and going, am I throwing my career away? Because it's so essential. certainly in those schools. It's drilled into you that if you don't complete this, you are going to be a loser like those kids at the state school. That is what they said at my school. That is what they said. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Very much so. Um, and, yeah, I, I just, to, to then get out of uni was, was a really big deal. Were your folks okay with you going to Whopper? Fine.
3: I I can't remember there being that there was never any heat on that. Yeah. Um, once you I think once you go to boarding school, you have a different relationship with your parents anyway. Oh yeah. It's not so disciplinary. It's I don't know. It's slightly really different. Um. So uh, it was fine, and it was more that I wasn't dropping out to do nothing. Yeah. I was dropping out so that I could go to this
2: other place, other university. Yeah. So. And what do they teach you at Whopper? Which uh, is one of the two star factories of our country, Whopper and NIDA pretty much. If you've yeah. seen an Australian actor, they probably coming yeah, out of those two Yeah, and, and VCA now probably yeah. as well. Yeah, okay. Um, right. uh,
3: it is, um, I don't know how to act, but, I, I mean, they they tell you, they I think they give you the preliminary guidance. I mean, you walk out of there knowing nothing, to be honest, but you know a little bit more than when you went in.
2: Um, is it? The, do they teach you more the the, the discipline and, and the yeah? This, so. this is how much you're going to have to do every night. I, in a way, they
3: they take the dream that you had, which is what a lot of people, and they say, okay, now it can't be a dream anymore. It's business, and so you've still got to be in love with it. But take all the scales from your eyes, it is actually a job and it requires a lot of discipline. And so I think they do that and they do it very well. Right. Um, and I had a great time there. Um, but uh, I, I knew when I walked out I didn't know anything. I knew exactly what I should know. I was 21 and, and yeah. I like, well, why should I know any more than that? I didn't even know much about me. So um, so uh, it, it, it was great. It was great and it was awesome. Um, and then you just kind of have to make your way.
2: Were you uh, were you in touch with Matt while you were at school? And
3: yeah, off and on, off and on. Um, uh, you know, our lives took different roads, yeah. um, um, but often on we were in touch and um, uh, just to see, or well, how are you getting on? And, and yeah. how are you getting on? And um, uh, we'd catch up. When we couldn't say.
2: So. Have you done lasky yet? No, we're still on Meisner. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Well, we're still on Senazlowski. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. <laughs> still on Meisner. We're still on Meisner. We're still on Meisner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As an acting <laughs> joke yeah, for your listening. You hey, <laughs> see what I did there? <laughs> uh So, good. I did, I did think about this. You know, in Los Angeles, I, I do uh, UCB, Upright Citizens Brigade, which is an improv uh, school started by Amy Poehler oh, yeah. and... um uh, UCB is where a, a lot of uh, like those folks came. The other one is um, Second City, which is yeah. your um, uh, Adam I McKay that, and yeah. Will Ferrell, and uh, they they're all groundlings. Will Ferrell, Adam Carolla, all those guys. So there's these three schools that everyone is basically competing for one job, which is where the next cast member drops out of Saturday Night Live. Sure. And there's thousands of people in schools all over the country going for one job. Mm. And if you don't get that one job, well, great, you're really good at yes and and improving and playing the game. Mm-hmm but what do you do now? So I kind of wonder, you know, that this is a university course offered to train you completely for what is one of the most ruthless, cutthroat, 10,000-to-1 industries that exist. Do they prepare you for that?
3: No, I don't think they do. I think that was the chat that we probably should have finished on. And it's so hard because you don't want to, I mean, nor do you want to scare someone so much that they go oh oh sure, I just oh, i'm not going to follow this because it's it's a really delicate balance mm. um our i remember our acting teacher who i loved i thought she was brilliant she said just give it 5 years promise me you will all give it 5 years um and there's i i would say out of our 18 i don't know five of us are working and that's probably about right but um but there, you know, she just wanted to make sure that people gave it a real go. But no, I, th- I don't think we had that 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 real talk of okay, these are the actual facts and figures of of um, the way this industry works. But you never can tell the people that I think that some of the people that they thought they'll never they'll never really kind of work. I don't think are some of the people who ha- have had amazing careers. Mm. You just don't. You just can't tell. Yeah. Um, Back then, I don't know what it's like now, but back then they were really latching onto what made you different as opposed to let's get something standard that we, let's all fit this mould so that because we think that this will probably, you will have a career in that way. there was the back when Tim Minchin and Eddie Perfect and those guys were going through and it was what made them different um, is what made them special and celebrated
2: rather than let's all make, you know, the next Jai Courtney, let's make yeah. 15 blokes, everybody get to the gym and, yeah. then, and then go and be grumbly for Yeah, that's know. right, yeah.
3: Like, what, giant? <laughs> what? Yeah, that's right. It's a, uh, it was, you're bright, you're different yeah. um, and the industry needs
2: that. But you said you came out of there not knowing yourself. A, a lot of acting from what I understand is applying experience you've had or your vision of pain for want of a better word to whatever the work is was that you know you're young actually you're 21 you've got all these chops but what have you got to 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 put them on like did you find that difficult no i
3: before i left uh, three months before we left uh we graduated um uh les miserables needed two people and they took me and my wife so we left three months before... You were married
2: in school or okay. you were boyfriend-girlfriend? Boyfriend,
3: well, we weren't even boyfriend-girlfriend then, actually. Oh. Um, we just happened to be in the same year. And um, uh, we left and joined. So we never had that... <clears throat> okay, we, we graduated and we got to showcase and all that, but we never had, had oh, oh my God, the first job, whatever. Um, we were just incredibly fortunate. Yeah. So um, it was nice to be able to go straight into work and learn, learn a bit on the job.
2: Right. So you were one of the blokes in the back
3: yeah yeah it was great um it was and it was the perfect job for me there were a lot it's you know a bit of a, a as musicals go a bit of a boise one there were a whole lot of straight dudes saying you know this is how you behave and this is how you don't behave um and we've got a guy in our cast here in this production who was in that one, yeah. and someone I looked up to, someone who said, "Listen, this is the what, what you do, and this is what you don't."
2: Um, what are some of those things for folks who are, who are listening? Because it is a very, very, very close workplace with oh, very blurry lines between camaraderie and professionalism, and and companionship, and well, we just have to work and, and party, and we've got to work now, and the schedule is brutal.
3: I think it's all, its exactly what you said. I, that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, it's the balance. Mm. Yes, go out and do that, but you've got to make sure you've, you know, um, which I must admit I was, I was pretty good at anyway. But, um, but yeah, it was it was great to have those older guys that I looked up to teaching. Mm. We don't get that a lot now.
2: I guess, it, you know, that's the, the path, isn't it, the apprenticeship to the, yeah.
3: Yeah. Did yeah. you get
2: to understudy at all at that point? No, it wasn't. No, no. Uh, that wasn't part of it, no. But did you learn a bit about the, the business of, did you tour and that kind of we thing? We toured, yeah. So you learned about the business of it and, and how it all worked?
3: Yeah, and, and the discipline of it, yeah. um, especially stage as opposed to screen or just slightly different discipline. Yeah. Um, but the discipline of stage was, is, is something I actually really love. I love that eight shows a week. I, I, I kind of get off on that.
2: We'll, we'll talk about that in a moment, but I, I am interested to know, how did you transition from someone I left school with, we happened to be on the same cast to girlfriend?
3: Um, it was Rocky. <laughs> <clears throat> it was rocky um because you know we had a, a couple of uh, goes at that uh, and then we left it for for quite a few years which really was, which was sage I, I think to do that yeah wow yeah let's just not let's not do that <laughs> let's just not have much to do with each other for a while okay mm. and then um and then just out of the blue uh, you know she called me to say hey can you come and help me with such and such, and I said yes, and and that was that. Right. So uh, and that's a long time ago. But uh, I mean, we're, we've been married probably eight or nine years. But you know, uh, we first
2: met when we were eighteen or nineteen. So it's um, it's been a long time. Yeah. That's it's mm. remarkable to have that time together, the rocky moment, and then go actually no, for a, for a while. I'm assuming through your mid to late twenties, through our early. Early twenties, yeah. Early twenties, yeah. And then to come back to it, mm. wow, that's 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 rare and, and lovely. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. Oh, she's great. She's awesome. Oh, man. mate, that's well, that's mm. that's sensational. With the um, w- with the eight shows a week, I've I've I don't think people quite realise how brutal. I keep using that word because that's all I can imagine. I've, I I sh- saw you perform the other night. For folks who haven't seen the current production of Les Mis in Australia, the first 15 minutes, uh, I, I didn't breathe, mm. I think. It is just absolutely non-stop. And you do that for three straight hours. Mm. It's, I can't imagine the physical, let alone the vocal, let alone the emotional stuff that you have to go through every day. Yeah, I did that the first time I ever did it. I
3: stopped and I said, I will never ever be able to do this. I just
2: went, oh, my God. The, the opening, the first, just the, the first the, thing, the epilogue. I mean, the prologue. The prologue. Yeah, the prologue just
3: the yeah. prologue. I thought, because it's actually the highest I can possibly sing. I, I, I can't actually sing higher than that. So so you've got to imagine sprinting. So, I'm, okay, so I want you to, the stairs in your apartment here, I want you to run up there and, run, and then I want you to sing as high as you possibly can can, but make it sound okay. <laughs> and was just one of those things I thought. I've never sung that high in public before, let
0: alone. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot; we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. $45 fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.
3: doing it after being smashed around and all that. So, we yes, you're right, it's brutal and it's silly to say that because you think it's 3 hours a night. There are people who are actually doing things in their life that are actually brutal. But there's also a lot of people who go to jobs and and It's not actually that brutal. It might be stressful or whatever. But physically, emotionally, vocally, um, it's certainly by far the toughest thing I've ever had to do. And every night it starts with us rowing. I I grab the, the oar and I think, please let this be okay. Every night. I've done over 300 of them, but every show I just go, please let this be okay. It never stops. It's never comfortable. It's never easy, ever. Um, Some days are easier than others but it's never. And there's something awesome about that.
2: What really struck me when I saw the show was that in this age of instant digital HD download of any film you've ever wanted in your life at the flick of a finger, whether you want to pay for it or not, it's there, Mm -hmm. to be able to see a range of performance performance. As such that you see in this current production of *Lemmy's Rub*, you just cannot get on film. It, it it would it's if it was for television, it would be too big. If sure. it was for film, it'd be like, buddy. Yeah. The, the fact that you're filling what is it? How many people sit in the Capitol Theatre? Fifteen hundred? Two thousand? Okay, so two thousand people. And bear in mind, I should just rewind for a second. You say you're not doing, you know, it's not a brutal job. Two thousand people. I'm going to say seventy five percent of those have saved up the money yeah. to pay for the ticket, sure. saved up the money that they've worked doing their job mm-hmm. and it's they are trusting you to give them the, the, those hours of their life that they've spent working, they want that in return from yes. you, yeah. which is what you give them and you gave them in spades. I, couldn't, I, um, I could not believe what I saw when I saw you play this the other night. But when I saw the range that you gave us the other night, I thought there's no way you could experience a performance like that anywhere other than the theatre. His film just wouldn't do it justice.
3: There's something. I think we're. It's going to sound really wanky. No. As it always is when people talk about it. Do you want to put my cardigan back on? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you really got to explain. You didn't really accurately explain what you were wearing, but it is a cardigan. It's a cable knit cardigan.
2: Sons leather patches, unfortunately.
3: Yeah, which is a shame because that would really set it off. But what does set it off in instead is this fluorescent. Eye-watering, purple I stole, leaning to yeah. pink.
2: I stole I, it from a. I stole it from a wheel.
3: I, al- <laughs> I almost want to say Frusha. It almost is. It's pretty intense. It's it's eye-watering <laughs> in its intensity. Uh, underneath this old man's jacket, it's an ensemble like you've never
2: seen. And glasses at mm, one point. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so let's. Let, 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 it's okay to be wanky. It's okay to be. And so, I don't think you would be because, uh, you know, I, on this show I try to be as authentic as I, I can be and I try to have conversations that are as authentic as I can be. And I'm trying to tell you in the most authentic way possible, having um, done a tiniest, tiniest bit on film but also a, a bunch of stuff on television, all they could tell me was whatever you're doing, give us about 3% of it yeah. because the camera is between your, your Adam's apple and mm-hmm. your eyebrows and that's way too much. And I just, you know, sometimes when you see on the ABC on the Sunday afternoon, they'll show they've filmed a musical. It's never quite right, no. It's never quite right. So, being able to experience what you gave us, I think the only way you can do that is in the theatre. There was a time in England where I was doing a musical, a play, and
3: television at the same time, and so that accurately, uh, all all that happens is the audience changes. So the audience in a two thousand seat are uh, way down there somewhere, um, and. On screen, they're 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 in your lap, and so reaching them is different. So it's exactly the same thing. It's just that your audience, instead of being, you know, fifty meters away, is sitting on your lap, and so you don't have to um, radiate whatever you're going through way up there because you know, it's yeah. to you and me away. Um, but I think that we're the last of the of the, you know, storytellers. Um, of the campfire sitting around a circle, storytellers, actors, um, you know, are, are some of the last bastions of that and it is an it is an important job. And what you get on screen is and what you don't, uh, sorry, on, on stage, what you don't necessarily get on screen is that feeling of community in an auditorium mm-hmm. watching someone in front of you live go through something and... Um, uh and it's that that changes. And yes, in a musical, the energy needed is immense. It's huge, huge. Um the skill level, the skill set required is huge. You you have to sing, you have to. Um you 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 have to be able to act, especially these days, and in some shows you have to be able to dance. Um, not the shows I do, <laughs> but still you have, you know, that's some you have. Um but uh in something like Lame like is the range is what you're talking about. It's um, it's just it is just huge.
2: I was thinking about it because I've I've been on set. You've been on film sets. People act for eight seconds, maybe <laughs> ten. It's the length of a take. Next time, if you watch, if you're listening to this, next time you watch a film, just look at how long the camera is on someone's face when they're saying a line. How often they cut away? How often they come back? Every time they cut away, they're probably stopping the tape. I would say so, yeah. So they're acting for 8, 10, maybe if they're lucky, 30 seconds at a time for a I love you monologue. Mm -hmm. You know, I wrote you every day for a year. Yeah, maybe. Here you are on stage sometimes for 10, 12 minutes at a time, more even, three songs, you know, (laughs) enormous range, arcs of emotion, never out of sight of 2,000 people. No, and I'm the last person to poo-poo. The, the no, it's a different. I'm just it's, saying it's an enormously it's
3: different, different. And the difference also with Les Miserables is that everyone knows it. Uh, I yeah. heard the CD of blah blah blah. I saw that, especially a CD, I heard the CD of yeah, because you know they were in a recording studio and they went, Oh, let's just fix that note, let's just fix that. Or, or I remembered this happening way ago in my past and it changed my life, and you better be that good. And you feel that. It's not just about $150 and three hours of your time, which is in itself invaluable, um, especially the time, but it is also the um, expectation and the ownership that people have over this show. And I'm one of them. If I wasn't in it, I'd have the same ownership. I'd go,
2: you better bring it because I really like this show and, and it means a lot to me, so bring it. It means a lot to you. You, you. you sang it when your parents were out of the house, You, if I'm not mistaken, you were Jean Valjean in your high school mm-hmm. <laughs> production of it. Yeah, you were in the show right after university, and here you are playing a lead. It, it's such a relationship between you and this show.
3: Yeah, it is, and and uh, and and that and that's for a lot of people, even if they're not necessarily inclined to want to perform in it. They a lot of people have ownership of that, um, and, and I, that expectation was one of the hardest things to come to terms with. I've got to say, my own and. Uh, and audiences. Have you had a chance to meet the guys that wrote it? Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, they, oh, yeah. In Melbourne, they, Claude uh, Michel came out um, and he was there for quite a lot of it. And uh, and then Cameron McIntosh came out for Melbourne and Sydney opening.
2: Um, so we had a lot to do with him. Um, Cameron McIntosh is basically, he's the Steven Spielberg of musicals. Yes, that's right. He's the one that took musicals and made them absolute blockbusters. Mm-hmm. And now he owns theatres. He can create a musical, put it in a theatre. Uh, a big part of making musicals is like, sure, we've got this show, we've got the funding, but no theatres are free for 18 months. So what are we going to do? Is it still going to be hip in 18 months when yeah. it's free? But he owns theatres, so he's able to do that kind of thing. He, yeah, he <coughs> made the Jaws, made the ET of, of musicals. So what, what's he like? Did you have anything to do with him casting or anything like that?
3: Yeah, he, he's, he micromanages Wow! Uh, He cast us all. Uh, He offered me the job that day. Um, He uh, after six auditions and then the last one. The first one, there's two people there. The last one, there's twelve and Cameron, Um, investors and and stuff in the room. Oh, everyone! Yeah, yeah. Everyone is in the room. It's uh, it's 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 actually normal. It's what they all. It's the same Um, because these shows are worth millions. So there's lots of money at
2: stake, wasn't? I think it hasn't been made something like five billion. I don't know that that. Figure. I think it's, it's. I think the last time I checked, 2011, something like five billion since it started. It's probably got hit six right. by now. I know Phantoms hit six, Lion King's hit six. Phantom. Uh, I mean they. Phantom is by
3: far worth a lot more money than the highest grossing film of all time. By far, I mean they do it over obviously thirty years but there's a lot of money to be made. But yeah. the risk is enormous. It's crazy risk.
2: Yeah. Um, was it you, they say you can't make a living on Broadway but you can make a killing. Yes, yeah. You're either going to open and shut within three weeks or you run for three years. That's right. That's it. There's no in-between.
3: And, and Les Rubs* is a little bit different because it's it's got, I mean, it is it, in itself such a big product. Yeah. But you could still, if you could still have it and people won't come. So what was the audition like? Uh,
2: the final one, one, one the, the the one the network. I'll the, tell you. Uh, I rather tell you the first one. The yeah. first
3: one was this. You know the prologue that you're talking yes. about. Yes. Sing it. <clears throat> okay. Good. Sing it again. Good. Sing it again. Good. Sing it again. Sing. So we sang it six or seven times, one after the other. Boom, boom, boom. It's and uh, again, if people haven't
2: seen the prologue, is just it's just full on. Um, it's the first twenty minutes of Saving Private Ryan in musical <laughs> Yeah, that's so true. It really is. Yeah. It's yeah. that. Mate, it's that intense. Yeah. And
3: uh, and and all they were obviously going for a stamina. Okay, now sing, bring him home, which is it's like the worst thing you could do to a singer. I want you to scream effectively, Uh, and then but in an hour, I'm going to ask you to do something really soft and light and really controlled, um, even though you've just been punishing your chords. And and so sing, bring him home. Okay, good. Sing it again. Sing it again. Sing it again. So the first one was just pure stamina. Can you even do this? Are you even remotely in the ballpark of being able to do this? The last one for Cameron was actually pretty easy. Come in, sing, bring him home. Okay. Do the prologue. Okay. What about a bit of this? Okay, great. Um, and then he came down and he said, all right, so if we go this way, would you be happy to go on a regime? Would you have, be happy to go into the gym? Would you happy to do that? I'm like sick. I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to be uh, um, your, your Spider-Man. Um, so we'll just do all the ones where you're like weedy now and then we're going to shoot all the scenes where you're huge. Yeah, cut like a bitch and we'll do that, you know. And you you always want to do those roles because that'd be that's so much fun. Yeah. you get effectively getting paid to get fit. Yeah, to get fit. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're carrying some meat, mate. I'm telling you, you are carrying some muscle today. I, I wish I the So I started at uh, I think I was 70 kilograms. Uh, and also because, you know, he's meant to be.
2: Me lift John, John, he's lifting, carts is lifting carts in yeah, the street with one hand. Yeah. Only one other man I've ever seen to <laughs> that's that before. Right. Yeah, so it's <laughs> got to be you. Yeah. Um, and then
3: they, uh, what interesting about that? In the original one, he had two four six zero one printed on his chest. So he rips open his open his shirt, and it's got two four six zero one on it. And no one ever questioned that. Fine, of course, he, that's his number, prison number. Fine, but then Javert goes. There's another guy we've arrested him, and he's and, and finally I found him and uh, and that's why Jean valjean says what, and, and who am I? He has this big conundrum. what do I do? Do I save this man I've done spoiler so, alert so, yeah <laughs> I've done so much good in the world yeah. uh, I, I don't want to go back to prison if I go back to prison. all these people that I 'm helping in this town are, are effectively going to go uh, be poor. What do I do? well just open the other guy's shirt. <laughs> He's not going to be two four six zero one, is he? But then you got no third act. So, so now they don't have two four six zero one printed on the shirt. But it uh. never—I never heard anyone <laughs> make that connection of, <laughs> well, if he's two four six zero one, that guy's not going to be two four six zero one, is he? He's going to be two four six zero eight or whatever. But uh, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, Cameron's. Cam- oh, sorry. Yeah, wait. Yeah, seventy, and then I got up to eighty-two. Which is a lot of weight—twelve yeah. you know, kilos—in not a lot of times. Just eating till I dry, you know, was almost vomiting, and uh, um, just hitting the gym. I loved it; I had the best time. Loved it. Yeah, loved it. It was so much fun. And, but I can't keep that weight on doing the show; it's
2: too cardio intensive. Yeah. yeah, but don't worry—you look good. <laughs> I, appreciate, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. which is because you've got to start the show. It's it's opposite of what, what we just, just discussed. You've got to start the show as this, this brutish, you know, muscular, you know, I'm rowing boats kind of muscular dude and you, you end as a frail old man. Yeah. So you kind of go to, you know, reverse. It's just the best journey ever. It's just yeah. such a
3: and, – and you really feel old at the end, that three hours you just think, you know, I'm pretty spent. And it's actually such a lovely – Decline to to the end. It's it's just it's a wonderful ride to go on.
2: What was it? So we spoke just before we started rolling. We spoke about Los Angeles very briefly mm-hmm. because you got straight into L.A. There was never like oh I'm going to go to L.A. Because a lot of actors now they graduate night or maybe they don't even graduate night. Or they just go straight to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. They don't even try to get jobs here for musical theatre. It's either Broadway or it's the West End. Mm-hmm. What drew you to to the UK?
3: Yeah, I mean I was never. Firstly, I was never, musicals are my only thing and it, it was never in my, in my wildest dreams. In fact, I went to Whopper and, and did the musical theatre course but realised quite quickly I, I don't think, I think I'm in the wrong course and I begged the head of acting, begged him, please let me do a play in this final year, please let me, and he let me yeah. and I got to do a play and, and uh, that's, what, that's where my mind was. But it was never L.A. I, it, it still isn't. Um, it would say it's a place that I'd love to maybe pop in and do a job there, but that whole experience was something that I ne- never interested me. Yeah. In. And it has a lot of my friends and my wife was desperate to go to the West End. And I wasn't. Um, but we went because that's what you do. <laughs> um uh, and again, I was lucky enough to go uh in a in a lead role in a new musical that was opening in the West End. An Australian director called Gail Edwards, who is I've worked a lot of times with, who's, who's a, a big mentor of mine. And she said, Look, we can't find this quintessential British officer to play this lead role. Can you on tape pretend you're British for God's sake? So when you go, hi, I'm Simon, whatever, it's with a British accent. Don't, don't, don't be Australian. Fine, did it, did the audition, got over there, met the producer, and I went, Hello mate, how are you? And he went, Oh shit. And I could see him go, I've just put a £9 million show on the back of an Australian. Um, but I loved my time there. It was a really influential, important time there. And the West, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to come come back home. Um, we did for family. Um, and I'm so glad I have now. But um, I had a really great time in the West End. And I presume if I went to LA, I'd have a similar good time. You just get off on whatever is What's are.
2: that? Because in Australia, you don't really have that multiple theatres, multiple shows going on and, and the West End, I always, you know, love it when I'm in New York City and I see someone walking down the street with a clarinet case. Mm. I'm like this is probably one of the last places in the world you can be someone who works seven nights a week playing clarinet at a, you know, you're doing a show, you're playing in live. And so, I always, you know, there's a community of musicians, stage managers, grips, lighting people, you know, it's, it's all there and there's thousands of people who are employed by this industry. It must be it must be wonderful to kind of walk around and and, and be a part of that.
3: Yeah, it is. I, mean, I, I I'd love to work on Broadway. I really would to get that experience. I, I worked in New York before, but not on Broadway. Not in a big show. I've heard. I know in the West End there is a big family feel there, like there is in in Australia. We all know each other, and it's very similar in the West End. I've got to say, um, you you go out together. You it, you. Cross pollinate so often in terms of shows. Oh, I was in this show with you, and oh, we're in that show. Oh, do you know the guy who did? It's just that's just the way that industry works. Broadway's a little bit different, apparently. It's a, it's not so family oriented, but I don't know because mm. you know, I haven't worked. That's just what I've heard. I'd love to. I'd love to work there, but uh, but there is something intoxicating walking down Forty Second Street, walking down um, Shaftesbury Avenue. It's it is intoxicating. But what I did learn was that. Good work isn't geographically bound. Good work is just good work. And when I first was in the West End, there were nine Australians doing lead roles. It's, it's not geography. It's just, it's just good or it's not. And you come down here and the work in Australia is amazing. It's at the highest level. And it, it slightly frustrates me when, when you see casts, that is world class. Even the idea of tagging something world-class means that you just didn't think it was. They don't say, oh, that show in Broadway is world-class. No, no it's, you don't have to say that because we are the centre of the world here and it will be nice for Australia to start not uh, having to go, oh, I wonder if we could make it. This show could make it or this production could make it. Cameron said quite openly when he was last here this production is, is has the best cast i have ever cast or uh, uh, assembled in the world of this show ever i mean uh he doesn't just say that if he he's he, knowing him he certainly doesn't just say that so it's time to actually start uh, not having to go I wonder if we're good enough for broadway or western
2: i do think that i like Coming back to Australia now, after having been in America for so long, I look at us and I look at what you, what we achieve, not only in entertainment where I work, but in, in many, many, many industries. Like we are only not a part or not only world standard because we think we're not. Mm-hmm. We are absolutely world standard. Yeah. we And in some cases better. And it's just how we look at ourselves. And, you know, there's a whole Australian thing and I still see it. it's not so much to poppy syndrome as much as the... What, you, what we were talking about before. We just haven't given ourselves permission to explore being great at it. You know, yeah, we can. We are the best in the world at some things and it's okay to be best in the world at some things.
3: I think that's why sport is so important here yeah. because it's so easily classified. You're the best or you're not. Simple. Um, it's simple. It's on a tally. It's on a ladder. It's, it's points. Mm. It's mathematical. You're the best. And so that's why, and quite rightly, we hold on to it tightly because yeah. it is, uh, it's, uh, it's, we're the best at something and, and we should be incredibly proud of that. But some of the avenues that are not so easily calculable, it's, it's really hard to, to go, oh, you're the best at that. And um, we will always be a smaller industry. We'll always be inferior in that by just pure population. We just will. Um, by pure tourists who come to Broadway and West End to see shows. We just can't at all match that, but that's not to say
2: that the work isn't isn't still. I working. can absolutely concur. the The musicals that I've seen in this country, I've seen I've seen musicals in the West End. I've seen musicals on Broadway. I couldn't agree more. Often,
3: uh, sadly, sometimes you see musicals on Broadway that are horrific. Dude, movies. I've seen it. They just don't care because you know phoning it in. Yeah phoning it mm. in, and that sucks. And that's endemic of a culture here where actors you just go, I have got to do well in this job because I don't know when the next one is. So you embrace it. And so there is a upside to having, you know, a small industry is that you just give everything to the job in front of you because you can't just go, oh, look, if it doesn't work out, doesn't matter. I'll just go and do another one. It, we just don't have that
2: notion here. That's what I, keep. I, I always remember is like I'm doing I'm lucky enough to be doing this TV show right now, but it might not run next year. No. <laughs> no. And we've finished We're in the last days of shooting. So now, now I'm in that, you know, that I'm sure you understand that part of the end of the run we're like, yep. ooh, so who's doing what next? You did mention something before that there was a producer, a director that had worked with you here. In your career, how important have relationships been in going from job to job? This is no surprise
3: as important as any industry. Meeting Gail Edwards, her taking a punt on me. Um, she's now a dear friend of mine who I love dearly, but she's also one of the best directors I've ever worked with and has forged my career, took me to London, um, has uh, been incredibly influential. And it's what you're talking about. It's the job that you do now. You're passionate about it. You're professional. you um, you're not whimsical about it. It's that professionalism that people latch onto and and will probably get you re-employed, not just on talent, you know. Obviously, you've got to be talented at what you do, but it's the way you go about your business because it's money. I need you to be good. I need you to be good now. And I need you to be good over and over and over again in our business, over and over and over and over again. I need you to be good. It's quality control. I need you to not break a company apart because I don't have the time and the money to to deal with your crap. I just don't. Um, and the days of high diva are over, um, and they should be over um, because you shouldn't put yourself. This is my opinion above the story. You shouldn't. Now, if you need stuff to get your job done, then you ask for it, and and you know, and as long as it's reasonable, you should get it. But I think that's the kind of uh, relationships that you deal with that um, you know you have fun with, and but at the end of the day, it's 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 just it's a business. it's it's money, and it's um. I heard this
2: this great this great line the other day. Seth Godin is a fantastic marketing blogger. He wrote this really simple. He writes a simple email every day. Uh, Reputation is what people expect you to do next.
3: Yes. Yeah. And, and that's scary because mm. uh, when your jobs change and you are in a position, especially this job now is the hardest one, it takes the most effort for me um, and you've had a reputation before of being quite consistent and, and okay and all that and then you walk in here and you think, I don't know where I can do this. I don't know and um, there's... Uh, you know this you I guess I guess you can't have have courage without that risk of failure and audiences latch on to that um, they latch on to the courage because they can see the potential for failure and that's intoxicating and enticing and, inca- and terribly exciting if you've got someone who is just I'll do this all day for you I'm just you know, not phoning it in but I'm only going to give just enough but I'm not going to risk failure the actors that you love are the actors that push themselves to that moment we think wow I don't I hope you can come back
2: from that or I hope that
3: and that you love seeing that
2: courage in some people you're actually actually you're right that's that's what I felt the, the other night when I saw you play <laughs> please let this no, no no in the first in the first three minutes when you're hitting those notes I'm like holy shit you're coming out of the gate yeah. <laughs> boy you're really sitting it's setting yourself up. This is going to be interesting. The emotion that I felt off you, off the stage, is something that, you, we, as we were talking about, you can only get from the theatre. When you're on stage and there are those 2,000 people bringing that emotion back to you, what does that feel like when you're at those notes, when you're in those huge cadences, those massive key changes, the ends of those epic songs that people have so much weight on and you can feel them going, yes, that is what I wanted. What does it feel like? I uh,
3: I don't feel that I got to say I all I <laughs> again all all I do is is go. This is this part of this story. Um. I I, uh, there, I feel like there are two types of actors on stage. There are the ones that go. I am going to go to you and bamboozle you with and uh, with this. And it's terribly impressive. And then there are others who go, I'm going to tell this and you can come with me or not, but this is the story. And it's just slightly different. It's a slightly different approach mm. on stage. Mine is kind of the latter. It is, um, uh, you know, yes, you have to deliver, deliver these big moments, um, but I'm going to tell the story and, and come with me or, or don't, but I really hope you do, and I'm telling it for you. Um, e, but I don't, I don't, It's weird. I don't, I don't feel that. I don't feel that. Uh, not until the end, I guess, if I'm bowing, which i got to say is I find the hardest thing in the world to do. Um, Always have. Call. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Because you're you.
3: <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know whether, I don't know whether it's that. Um, I. I, yeah, I find praise a hard thing to, to cope with, um, but and then it sounds stupid. There's it's not sound stupid, it sounds trite, because there's so many people who say that and who are like that, and I guess I'm just one of them. Um, but yes, I've had people sit down with me, Gail sit down with me and said, There is a psychology to curtain calls. All right, this is what it is. It's not got nothing to do with you. You come out, people. It's a it, there's a psychology to it it's part of the show you do that and that's why they're set up like that so have people go oh my god man it's it's psychologically set up um, but I find it incredibly difficult um and always have I find stage door difficult not because I don't like to speak to people I actually love speaking to people it's one of my favorite things but I find yeah, that, that, that was great I don't want, thank you but I don't know what else to say. It's like, okay, thank you. And that's, um, and that's I mean, anyway, that's stupid. It sounds trite. But
2: no, 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 no. Look, a... it's, it, I think it just underscores what you said to me before. Just don't put yourself above the story. And that you come to it with such humility is, is really rare. I don't know whether it is. Dude, or... I've interviewed a lot of people that do ah, your job. I've interviewed right. a lot of people that uh, are on camera or in the public eye for a living. And not all of them have that humility. So. Yeah, may- yeah, maybe. Uh, just take it. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: but, uh, but I do feel sometimes that lovely moment where, you know, you're singing Bring Him Home and uh, and you just think I. Oh, it's very rare to have this, but sometimes I feel that that 12-year-old boy says, you're sitting here, there's this beautiful orchestra, there's this amazing arrangement, you're sitting on this wonderful set, these people have paid and given up their time, to listen to you sing this beautiful song about saving, uh, about desperately asking God to save this kid's life, um, and uh, and I and you've got this cast who I just love. We've we've spent a lot of time setting up a family environment, and it's been very conscious and honestly not not altruistic. It makes my job easier mm. if if we all feel like we're in this together because we are. Um, and we're only as strong as our weakest member. We, you, that's just musicals are are as good as their ensemble. They are. Um, you can have the leads do ridiculous things. If the ensemble aren't good, it falls apart. It's just no good. Um, so in terms of a cast, we're as good as you know as our smallest member, as our as our Gavroche, <laughs> or our our young you
2: know. That's just that's just the truth. So sometimes you're on stage and you have flashbacks to you in your living room.
3: Yeah, yeah, or, or or just the feeling of just going, gee, you're you're very lucky to be able to do this, <clears throat> um, and it's rare because often I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about trying to save this kid's life, but there are some moments where I just think, geez, you're lucky.
2: Um, yeah. Well, in my view, luck is where hard work meets opportunity.
3: Yeah, I guess so. There's yeah, yeah. That's how I,
2: that's that's how I see it anyway. Um, I don't want to keep you because I know you've got 50 million things to do, including um, make 2000 people's day uh, <laughs> tonight. So just very, very quickly. Uh, what as a, this is nothing to do with musicals, but I'm just interested mm. in what, um, because my, my life's changed in the last mm. year or so since I've met this wonderful woman and, and her kid and, and they've come into my life. What changed about you or what did you notice change when you became a father? Everything it's, it's,
3: highly focused, a reason to live, a a very highly specific focus. I cry easier because I have children because I know what vulnerability is. I know uh, what true loss is should anything happen. You know, I'm a better actor. I'm a better man. Um, uh, My life is... uh, is guided by them um i'm a very hands-on dad um and if my if i had to for my children never act again i would do that and that's just what i would do i'd go all right well i'll go and do something else um so which is really big thing for me because acting is who i am but everything trumps um for my children so uh And it's also made me more fearful because you go, I just want to be able to help you. I laugh more because they do stupid things. I have learned more about myself because I see myself reflected, the good and the bad. Um, And so I try and change the bad or, or, you know, recognize those habits. Um, But I come home after a show and I'll go up, and see them and they'll be sleeping and, uh, you know, hell will rain down or I will screw up a note or something will happen and I will remember them and I'll go, that's fine. That's why people put up photos of their kids at work to go, there is no, you know, but anything to do with children, you know, when you see kids on boats, when you see you refugees in Syria when and there's kids involved, you know, and it shouldn't be like that because adults are just big kids and you should have that humanity to adults because deep down inside of us, we're all eight-year-olds trying to get by, you know, we really are. Um But especially when I see kids, you just, you know, you just think that just shouldn't be like that, having those kids, especially... I know this is down a different track, and but seeing kids locked up now, I think Australia's there are a lot of scars in our history, um, especially I've had a lot to do with um, uh, with different Indigenous communities around Australia, but we've got a lot of scars there. And there, a lot of them, are, they're white people scars, they're not Indigenous scars, but... Um, uh, we've got a lot of scars in our history and, and, and I think we're making more um, at the moment. And this There's is, the mandatory detention yeah, of people coming
2: here seeking asylum. This is going Children, to
3: be yeah. a historical scar uh, on already a big wound historically in Australia. Um, uh, but especially when I see kids in that position, I just go, that's, um, that is absolutely outrageous. So, um, so, yeah, but kids change everything. and, and, you're in that position now, just being around kids, being slightly responsible for um, for them.
2: Um, Dude, the other night watching Game of Thrones, I don't know if you caught up. The, the, I won't, I spo- so I won't spoil God's it. Sake. But the other night, you know, yeah. I'm not spoiling anything by saying in Game of Thrones, pretty much everyone, everyone dies, yeah. man, woman, child, yep. they'll kill everybody That's they, right, on yeah. the screen. Yeah. I've watched, I don't know, four seasons of them and gone, oh, yeah. You know, when they... The other night there was some stuff with kids and violence. I, I had to shut my eyes. I had yeah. to put my hand over my eyes and ask my girlfriend to tell me when it was finished. Never had to do that before. Yeah.
3: It, <laughs> it's, it's so brutal, isn't it? Yeah. It's just. I like it, man. I like
2: it. I like the transformation that it's bringing on in me. Yeah.
3: Not... Yeah. I mean, at the moment you're and have been this entire um, podcast playing with a bit of Play-Doh that made you. Yeah. <laughs> and. <laughs> My life before it's having nice. my daughter, <laughs> she's made you a ball, man. She my, did. Um, she did. She gave it to me. My, my, before my daughter, my, my world was hard. It was hard. Wood. Hard. You know, I liked country. Rural. It smelled like Old Spice that. and yeah, diesel. Exactly. <laughs>
2: Shearing. I can shear sheep.
3: Within a day, I'm sitting on fluffy pen, everything just went, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, you know, it's like a, you know, a My Little Pony just kind of vomited and shat all in my house. It was just fluffy pink things all over the place. It was such an instant shuddering change. Um And uh, it took a lot of, uh, it, it, it took a lot of work to, I understand, it sounds really bad after everything I've said. I understand why some men can't hack it. Yeah. I understand why some men go, I can't do this. I can't do it. I can't yeah. do it. Um, I think it's, it's horrible, but I understand it because it is such an affront um, without warning, you know, that your life's... Challenges like that. challenges the
2: hell out of me. Yeah. It really, it really. I'm loving it, but it's like, <laughs> I've got to talk quietly because she's in the other room. She's yeah. home today. today. Yeah. Uh, okay, so final question. Now, it's going to be a bummer question, but I'm pretty sure I know what the answer is going to mm-hmm. be. So this is why I've saved it for the end. Obviously, you don't get cast by Cameron McIntosh as Jean Valjean every day. I'm going to assume that you've been up for big ones before mm. and you didn't get them. Mm. How did you deal with that? How do you deal with when the things don't go your way? Um, badly.
3: <laughs> and then uh, I think that if you can't deal with constant rejection in this field, you don't last, you know, you, you don't last those five years. Um. It's just, uh, look, it's the, you know how I said we are just big eight-year-olds. Someone doesn't give you, I'm not giving you that chocolate. No, you're not having it. You've had too much. You're not having it. I deal with it in that same same way. I think, well, that is just so unfair, so whatever. And then you get fatalistic about it because there is no other way. You get fatalistic about it. You go, that's not for me. That one's not for me. Um, But. Why not rage? Rage, go, I just, because it means so much to me. And that's not every job. There are some jobs that I go, I kind of thank God I didn't get that. There are jobs that I go, all right, well, I understand. He, he, you know, the person that I cast, He is absolutely more suited to that role than me. I completely get that. He's got a higher profile or whatever it is. I mean, that's absolutely fine. It's it's business, I get that. Um, and then there are some you know, but I generally don't go, and I wish I did. In a way, what do they know? What are they talking about? What are they? I don't do that. I go. I just, I just don't. Obviously, I'm not. I'm not ready for that. I'm not. You know, um, which I
2: wish I didn't because
3: uh, I don't know the way
2: you're dealing with it. Seems to me the only way that you could do it and not carry resentment to the next thing.
3: I never have resentment for not getting
2: cast, but I will always go, oh, God, maybe I'm just
3: terrible. I go through the phase of, oh, and I go I go Hulk on it, Hulk smash on it. And then I go to the doctor after Hulk smash. And I go, oh, maybe I'm just not actually that good. And then I go, can you stop being such a little girl about this man up and just do the next one? I generally am more creative, when I'm unemployed than when I'm employed. Um, I remember in Mamma Mia, yes, Mamma Mia, and they had a rehearsal room and I worked for an hour and a half every day, uh, you know, on these acting exercises. That, and, um, So I'm incredibly disciplined about what I do, but I find when I'm unemployed, I, I really don't like the acting of oh, I'll just wait for the phone to ring and I know they don't do that in America they really don't do that it's it's a whole different culture about even when you are constantly employed as an actor you are seeking out a class in this that and the other and and sometimes I think almost too much where you're so bombarded by technique that you actually need to go I'm not going to, I need to actually live um but uh I I, I write a lot um writing is a is a real thing for me, so um, I do that. But I don't deal with it very
2: well. Um, and then, but it's like, okay. The way I think, if I maybe to to offer a, any uh, an opinion on what you've just said, the way you deal with it, I feel is a very. It's as I saw in this fantastic new Pixar film the other night, Inside Out, I'm which I highly recommend. Yeah. You to, are you taking your kids? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Dude, it's amazing. They've gone all out. And they've obviously spoken with child psychologists mm-hmm. and going, tell us exactly how a kid's brain works. And they've made a model of what the kid's brain works, how it works. Like this is core memory, this is personality, da 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 And they've visualised all of it. And so they've, they've given actual real language to how memories can get tinged with sadness and how anger can come into your day. And it's bloody fascinating. But it, it really, um, it's okay to be sad about stuff. And it's okay to have emotion about stuff, but carrying it with you like a giant bag of steaming poop everywhere you go as a victim. Oh, I don't think so. God, yeah, you can't no do that. you can do you're allowed to do that for a day. If <laughs> it's something you really,
3: really wanted, you're allowed to be pissed for a day. And uh, that's fair enough because you really wanted it. Yeah. I, that's okay. But you got I mean, you've got to let it go. And they're having kids, you gotta let it go. Because they're like, I don't care, dad. I don't care. Yeah. Get over it. Um, and so you gotta let it go. But uh but yeah I think everything that I've done generally is a, a, come out of necessity. It's you know why did you become an actor? why it was a necessity I needed to do this. Why did you stop doing ensemble stuff i just i had to um and and that I think that guides me forward but yeah i i i there's never been a job that I go there's this one job that I just wish I got more than it, it they they slip through your hands. In the end, it's it's absolutely fine. Um, yeah, until the next one. we <laughs> are? <laughs> so you, I'm
2: gonna I've got to take your photo, but I'm I am interested to know how do you get? You said you got a sprint at the start of the show. Mm. How much warming up is concerned? Do you pace? Do you, do you Rocky Balboa up the steps? Do you play Eye of the Tiger? What's the warm up like? What's the pre-show?
3: Very quiet. Yeah, very
2: quiet. Um, very quiet.
3: I'll, you know, have a laugh with Hayden who plays Javert. Has dance music going on next to me. Yeah, that's 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 the way he gets into his thing. That's and every show's different. I'll do a role where I go, I am just got to jazz right up, or I played music before, or whatever. This one, very quiet. I'll, you know, warm up vocally, and that's taken, and then I'll just, yeah. Very quiet. Go out, sit down. Start rowing, and then away we go.
2: Yeah, mate. I'm so grateful you
3: came. Up. Oh no, it's been awesome. Thank you. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, I'm going to take you further sure. and
2: then let you go. All right. That was Simon Gleason. You can find him on Twitter at Simon underscore Gleason, G L E S O N. Um, if you like, you can buy his album. He's got an album out where he uh, sings a lot of the songs that uh, he loves to sing um, from some of the shows that he's done and um, a few other songs as well. It's called Elements. It's on iTunes. It's out now. Um, but, yeah, let him know that you heard him here. That would be the best thing you can do for me. That and just tell him mate. Just That would be super cool if you could do that. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And remember what I said before. If something's really bugging you, you'd... You you cannot do something about it, but just understand it'll get worse. Things tend not to get better if you just leave them alone. They tend to get worse. So whatever it is, I hope I hope that you can take care of it before it gets acute. Um, thank you so much for being here. Have a great week. Until I speak to you next, sleep well and dream of beautiful things.